Well, good morning to everyone. My name is Maurice. It is so good to be with you all on today, if I haven't met you yet. Um, today, like, I, like we were just talking about earlier, is College Sunday, and we are so excited to just celebrate college students. Now, for us, you know, there's a few ways that you can do that. I wanted to kick off today's time together um, by celebrating it by just kind of going back. It's a little throwback season for a little bit and just kind of highlight some of the staff. So I uh, asked the staff to send me some of their college years pictures. And so I, wanted to, I want you to see these and see if you can uh, identify some of these people here. We got Jackie and Bill, our leaders there, right there. What's our next one? If you haven't met Stuart, our production manager, he's in the middle, college years right there. He went to Moody Bible and another one as well, um, University of Chicago. Look at this. Now, can you identify, let's just pause right here. This is a real throwback right now. Chris Sturgeon, one of our pastors, to the far right with all of that hair. Yes, that is your connection and growth pastor right there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what phase he was in. Uh, what would we label that? Um, I don't know. Punk rock or I don't know. It's like, dude, I, who, somebody stole my car. Um, whatever, right? So one of those. <laughs> well, we got another one too, though. We got another one. Oh, yeah, look at that. We met in college, and she was graduating that day, and I was definitely late. I was running late that day, and so... I'm putting on a big smile because I couldn't find her at this big graduation that she was at, but we met in college there. Um, so those are some of the throwback pictures, and I just thought that those was going to be pretty cool to bring up as well. I got another story, just because you guys are family. Um, because it's College Sunday, and we all as staff wanted to make sure that we wore our college gear, I told you I was going to wear my college gear, put in, you know, did, my shipment didn't come on time. I was going to wear one of my sweaters that I had back home from Riverside Community College. Shout out, go Tigers. Um, but wasn't able to get that in time, so ran to Kohl's this morning, looked at the CU section, tons of CU gear, seen the extra large, grabbed it, and came out with no logo. And so I had this, I put this on this morning, it was like, I can't go on stage with nothing that, like, so... This is just an extra, I gotta take that back to Kohl's. I'm kind of tight fit right now with this one because I got this from Safeway. Um, so we're just, we're, this is the type of morning that we have right now. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to make sure we celebrated and repped College Sunday, all right? Well, listen, as we get started on today, uh, I thought it was so awesome uh, because as we started this church, I mean, not we, but as the church started, uh, Bill and Jackie, our leaders, came with 20, you know, come uh, with 20 plus years of college ministry. I mean, back in Seattle, uh, they were doing ministry. Here, they were doing ministry um, on college campuses and doing all of those things. So, as the thing got started and conversations were had, Here's what I wanted to make sure it's promised to uh, college students were, and young adults in general, but college students in particular, was that we were a church that college students loved coming to and a place that they can call home. And it's still a goal of ours. It's still one of those things that we are striving towards. Of course, I hate kind of bringing up this language often, but pandemic has put a real dent in what that looks like. But we will continue to strive and continue to keep embedded in the, uh, just the ethos here, the, the essence here at Ascent is Ascent being a place where college students love to come and a place that they call home. And so I want to give just a quick update. I know that if for you, if you're not in college, it's probably going to be like your ears are turned off. But I just want you to just, for a few moments, um, just listen to a few words that I have from my heart um, to yours, just to give you guys an update. Um, all the things that took place in our world this past year and college students not being able to have interaction like they used to. Honestly, as you look across the board in any sort of um, reputable source, whether it's Pew or Barna, whatever that looks like, anybody between the ages of 18 and 30 have been hit in a real big way. 
in ways that nobody could really imagine, places that they would go to and identify and you know, shape their identity of who they are, joining sports, joining teams and clubs, being a part of something to familiarize themselves, get more and more used to other, being around other people, being more of who they are, being in a new place, a new campus, meeting people for the first time. And a lot of that was taken away. And for people who are even post-college, some of the things as they've moved here for work, I, I have some friends who, at the, they spent like one Sunday here and the next Sunday it was, everything was shut down and that was their first time moving here from out of state, taking new jobs. And community was lost, uh, interaction was lost, all of these different things. I don't have to go down the list, you all know. But between that age group of 18 and 30 was one that was really hit pretty hard. And I bring that up because as we look across some of the statistics, and I've been looking them up this week, there's been a staggering statistic as it relates to this demographic struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, isolating themselves, kind of having some awkward moments as it relates to even trying to re-enter into, uh, back into society of like, what, the, what, what is that? How, what is the normal, normal uh, cues for that? And because of all these staggering statistics, one of the ones that really pained me a lot as well is that there's a large exodus from the church between the ages of 18 and 30. So not only are they struggling, but they're also leaving the church. And it's for this reason that during all of the pandemic, it was about August of this time, right around this time last year, we got together as a team, we decided to, uh, as, a, as a collective team, and thought to ourselves, we can't not do anything. And so what we did, what we decided to do is, although we won't be able to meet the needs like we usually do, although we won't be able to have the infrastructure like we planned on having, we, got to off, we have to offer something. So we merged the two groups, 18 to 30, and we called it collective. And this college group and uh, post-college group, we wanted to continue to put things on, put things together that help them grow in their faith. And this year, as we're starting back optimistically, moving forward, hopefully in a, a direction where things can happen again, we still recognize the reality is that we're not at a place where we have just one person full-time being with college or one person full-time being with young adults. So for that very reason, we still, as a group of people, decided we're not going to opt out. So we have enough people, not nearly enough as we need, but enough that came together, not just staff, but a group of people that have come together collectively, pun intended, to say that we care about this group. So what is it that we can do? So I want to end it here. A group of us, as we're getting going into this next year, as we're getting moving forward, and we brought on Carly as one of the interns, one of the people that's going to be pivotal in moving forward with that. As we thought to ourselves, what is it that we can offer this year, although we won't be able to do things like we normally do, and what can we do well? And one of those main things that we looked at as we started this ministry last year is that we want to continue to create opportunities that foster growth spiritually and foster community with one another, that foster growth spiritually and foster community with one another. And that happens through different gatherings that we have. We've started our calendaring. We've done different things that we're really excited about pushing out to all of you. So what does this mean for all of us? What does this mean for every single one of you in here, whether you're a college student or not? Here's what I want you to be doing as we think through those realities between the demographic of 18 and 30. I want you to be praying for this group of people. I want you to be continuing to think about what life is like during those stages of life, what's missing for them. And as you're praying for them, maybe God's putting something on your heart to step into. 
somebody reached out to me this past week, and we're starting to look at what it looks like for having some different mentoring men's days that we're going to have. Of course, we're going to have different things as relates for women as well, but he brought this idea to me and some sort of mentorship group and starting to just be around and get together as a group of guys and start to think through what does that look like. Generations helping the next generation, all sorts of things. That's just one seed that was sown, and we're looking forward to having continuing to foster community and foster growth spiritually. So keep that on your prayers. That is my hope for all of us with the collective ministry, and all of you get to be a part of that. All right? I want to start our time together in prayer just for that specific reason, and then we'll jump exactly into what we're going to be talking about today. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for a church that celebrates college students and even young adults. A Sunday where we get together and we can be excited about all that you are doing within this community, within the front range, within people who are here. And I just pray for every single person, whether and in that demographic and the ones that are in college, the ones that are actually taking a gap year, the ones who are online, taking online school, the ones who have decided to move back home the ones who have decided to stay here and not move back home. There's so many different areas and communities and people in life stages who have taken jobs down in Denver who are young adults and they're moving in different communities and now they're still looking for home. Lord, may we continue to be a place, help us and be with us and be with the group of people between 18 and 30 as they struggle during this season, as they go through life trying to navigate, help us just be one more area where they find relief and hope in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, we have been in a series, and this is the very last Sunday in the series that we've been a part of. We've been in a series entitled Ascent 2.0. I don't have to go over it multiple times, but we've just been thinking about what the next chapter of Ascent looks like. And we recognize that the foundations of that really matter. So even before coming into Ascent 2.0 in July, we walked through the book of Colossians chapter by chapter by chapter. And then this month, we decided, what does the foundations of this next chapter of our life look like? So we rooted ourselves, and we started to find what those things are, and we came together, and we said, Scripture is going to be one of those things that we must, we cannot move on. We have to be unshakable and unmovable on the priority and the importance of Scripture always. That was one week. The next week, we talked about the gospel preaching message. What was the message that Jesus came and spoke about? What was that? Was it just positivity? Was it just whatever the case may be? Or was there a specific message that Jesus came for? And we talked about what is the gospel. After that, we start talking about faith and we start talking about a few other topics so that we can root ourselves in what that looks like. It's not just because I'm preaching this week that I will argue that this week is going to be one of the weeks, this message, this topic is going to be the most pivotal, the most one that I would put as of high importance. Because this week, I get to talk about the essential ingredient of love. The essential ingredient of love. As we talk about love, I'm not talking about love like romance. I'm not talking about love like February, you know, February 14th, Cupid and all of those things. We're talking about the love that Jesus shows us. The love that brought God to earth. The love that we all now have. And what is it that we do with that love? If we're supposed to be a community of love, we're supposed to be people identified by this label of love. If it was love that brought Jesus to earth and hung him on that cross because he loved us so much. The famous scripture of God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If it was love that brought us here, thank you, Chris. If it was love that brought us to this place, 
then love matters. And what do we do in this season? So for this time, as we talk about the essential ingredient of love, I want to open our books, or excuse me, open up to Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can definitely open those. But I want to open up to 1 Corinthians. And let me give you a little context here of what 1 Corinthians tells us. First, we have 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. This is a book written by Paul, a man that was, his life was radically changed by Jesus. And he began to identify all the things that was happening and what God was giving him through revelation and all sorts of different things. And so what Paul is doing, he's writing to a church in Corinth. And what we see as he is writing to the church in Corinth, we see in chapter 12 and in chapter 14, Paul couches an important message in 13. But let me give you a brief context of what 12 and 14 were. Chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. And it's this long list of the spiritual gifts that God has given to the body of Christ, to every single person and what that looks like. The gift of hospitality, the gift of encouragement, the gift of just hearing God through wisdom and all these different things. There's so many different gifts. It's actually something that you should go back and look at. It's pretty awesome to detail and look at what the gifts of the body are. So he identifies all of these gifts And then he goes into 14. I'm going to skip 13 for a second. In 14, he talks about this gift of spiritual tongues or spiritual language. Now, that's an entire sermon for a whole nother day because I'm sure you probably heard of something like this or it's probably something that has weirded you out. But what we know to be true is that 1 Corinthians 14 details to us that there is something supernatural that takes place, that it even impacts people's utterance, impacts their language. And so in chapter 14, he also talks about all of that. But the important thing about how Paul sets this up is that in 12 and 14, he's identifying things that can and have, we have seen in our world, have caused people to be puffed up, have caused people to derail themselves from the mission that God has them on. This message that I have this spiritual gift and because I'm so talented in the way that I do hospitality or so talented in the way that I speak or whatever the gift is, we see that people take that gift and abuse it. And because they're so good at something, they begin to take what God has given them and use it in abusive ways. Chapter 14, we see that people begin to think of themselves even more highly than they ought to because God has given them some supernatural utterance. They have God has overtaken them with their their language, and now they can hear from God. They can do these different things as relates to special revelation. All of these different things have impacted the church of Corinth. And what Paul does, which I wanted you to catch on today, is that he couches 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right in between the two, because he recognizes that we can have chapter 12 and we can have chapter 14, but if we do not get chapter 13 in our lives, we have missed the mark altogether. So what is chapter 13 you're asking me? Let me tell you. It says these words right here. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, if I could do miraculous things, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, if I even sacrificed my body, if I could boast about it, but I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
This is chapter 13 that Paul emphasizes that all of the things that I've been talking about in 12 and that I'm going to talk about in 14, if you get all of these things but have not love, you have gained nothing. You have missed the mark of why I've given you this thing. So as we look at how we build upon Ascent 2.0, as we move into this next chapter, we can have an importance on Scripture. We can have an importance of what the gospel preaching message was. We can have an importance of why we need faith and why is it important to our lives. We can have all of the things that we just talked about for the past four or five weeks. We can walk through the book of Colossians and what God said to that church there. We can do all of these things But if we have not love, we have missed all of God's point of why he is doing what he is doing. It's almost like I mentioned before that love is an essential ingredient. It's like when I, you know, like when you eat something, it's supposed to be known for something, but it's missing the like main ingredient. I don't know if you've been there before. Like you're supposed to have something and maybe you're going through some hard times. College students, this college Sunday, you can relate with me. You like, it's cereal, but you don't have no milk. And it's like, this is the essential ingredient. Like how am I supposed to have cereal, but I got no milk, right? It's the essential ingredient. If you got peanut butter, but no jelly, like it's like, it's this thing of like, well, I'm supposed to have this sandwich. It's known for its taste, but the ingredients is missing. Have you ever tasted something? And you thought to yourself, this is lacking what it's supposed to have. Like, it's lacking the main thing. It's like that one time. I want to give you some details here because um, it's like the one time that I went to Taco Bell. Now, I know I'm already off to a wrong start here. Like, this story can go many different ways here because Taco Bell, right? But it's like the time that I go to Taco Bell. I pull through the drive-thru. And I'm going to drive through and I'm talking to the lady and immediately right out the gate, she says, sir, I know you just ordered this and all these other things, but I apologize, we're out of ground beef. Now, to assume that I already thought that there was ground beef in the back of Taco Bell, it's like already like a, uh, but still, even with the assumption that there's, this is a Taco Bell, like you're supposed to have ground beef. Like, this is something that is needed. This is an essential. How do you open your doors and don't have any ground beef? <laughs> right? And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, what in the world? Like, it's like going to a place and the essential ingredient is gone. Paul details, it says that if we have not love, it's like a clanging symbol. And I thought to myself, well, like, that's I don't know if that's something that we can really relate with. Like, I'm, like, not musically inclined. I'm kind of, like, tone deaf. So I don't really get what Paul is talking about there. But as I've done further study and talked about the essential ingredients, this is my essential ingredient station over here. So I'm going to detail for you what it's like not having love be part of our lives. Growing up, I was a hood baby. I grew up in the projects. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. But um, I did have Kool-Aid, a part of my daily diet. Yes, if you're going to have Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid fans out there. Now, so I have a few things here that I want to detail for you. Now, I grew up with Kool-Aid, but... Oh, gotcha. Thank you. Wait, nope. Let's close it that way. Nope. Close it that way. Perfect. There we go. That's why you got to always do it beforehand. All right. So I grew up with Kool-Aid, and it was a well-known thing that there was only a certain amount of people in our household who could make Kool-Aid. Now, my sister, she could not make Kool-Aid. There's not a thing that she could do. By the way, went to go buy Kool-Aid. They don't sell Kool-Aid packets anymore. Like, can we sign a petition for Kool-Aid packets to come back? Like, this is crazy. I went to Costco, and they were not, or um, Safeway, and they weren't there. 
But anyway, I digress. People were on Kool-Aid duty. Like you can only have a certain amount of people on Kool-Aid duty because not everybody made Kool-Aid the right way. Uh, because with Kool-Aid, oh, here we go. With Kool-Aid, the mixture is one thing, right? Like you can pour in the mixture, that's one thing. And my sister, she was just a little easy-handed. So she didn't really pour like the way we wanted it to be poured. So she would go, she would make the Kool-Aid, and every dinner time, any time that we had something, we were like, you can no longer make Kool-Aid because no matter what she did, pour this in here, pour this in here. Look at that. Nice and red, perfect, dusty. Here we go. But the way that she would do this, essential ingredient, if you did not know, sugar is a must. Now, I know this is gluten-free boulder and all that other stuff, but we poured sugar where I come from, okay? So sugar... I got some Midwest people, some other people in here too. But we poured sugar, tons of it. And so my sister, this is my sister right here, right? So this is my sister. She's like, oh, just kind of glazed the top a little bit. So you see how she just kind of kept it like 90. That's just a sign right there. If you keep it 90 degrees, you're not supposed to be on this. You're not supposed to be on Kool-Aid duty. You're not supposed to be on this. So what we all knew was that I was a part of the team. My brother was part of the team. My dad was part of the team. We were, I just had a group of people that was like, you can do Kool-Aid. Everybody else, you're not on Kool-Aid because it goes a little something like that. Now, I know, I know, I know it gets a little crazy. You may be thinking to yourself like, wow, that is a whole lot of Kool-Aid. But sugar is an essential ingredient. If you know something about Kool-Aid, when you take a taste of this one, and when you take a taste of this one, there is a vast difference because one has the appearance of Kool-Aid. I'm preaching already. <laughs> and the other has Kool-Aid with the essential ingredient of sugar. My point that I want to make to all of us, that if we're going to be a church community, if we're going to be a light on a hill, if we're going to be a group of people in the front range giving the gospel message, being a people on mission, doing all of the things that we just said that we were going to do this past couple of weeks, prioritizing scripture, reaching our, uh, our neighbor, doing outreach, Christmas shop, Chief Hayes Project, having community relationships. If we're going to be a community of people that are going to move in this direction, the question becomes, will we be this Kool-Aid or will we be this Kool-Aid? Because I think what happens too much is that what the world perceives and what the world gets is a version of Christianity. And this is why we get so much flack. This is why we get all of the labels and the bad labels because of misrepresentation that we're hypocrites, that we don't love our neighbor, that we're all about self and all these odd different things and why we, we, we just are so insular and we only care about people that are Christians and no one else. Because there's a representation that looks like it, that carries the name, but misses the essential ingredient. I think if we're going to be a church community, but if we have not love, this is the whole point of today's message. If you catch nothing else, we will and we must be a community that leads with love. And how does that start? What does that look like in all of our lives? We must lead with love in our homes. We must lead with love in our schools. We must lead with love on our sports teams. We must meet, lead with love and, and the groups that we're a part of, whatever that may be. We must, if we don't have the essential ingredients, we'll just have the appearance. 
And what I think is so important for us to capture on today and capture as we continue to move forward is are we asking the question enough? In our daily rhythms of life, are we asking the question enough? Am I leading with love? How well am I loving? Yes, I said it, and yes, what I said was supposed to be the right thing, and yes, what I said was truth, but was that done in love, or was that done to shame someone or to condemn someone? Are we leading our lives with love? I came across this brand that's out right now. It's kind of like a Christian-esque brand, but it's kind of like a sort of I don't know what to call it, um, but it's sort of like an ambassador influencer thing that's on social media now. It's kind of getting some notoriety. And if you were uh, late, two, or late 90s, early 2000s, you know about WWJD. Remember that throwback? What would Jesus do? Everybody had the wristband. I know you did. Come on. WWJD, you had the necklace. Some of you got it tattooed. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Christians were crazy about WWJD. And WWJD was what would Jesus do? And this brand that's coming out, that's starting to have some more notoriety is they have WWJD, and then they have on the other side or on the other part of the shirt, HWLF, he would love first. WWJD, and then the other side saying he would love first. Where do we get our cues for this message of leading with love? Jesus. Jesus was our example of what that looked like. And I want to detail for you what that means, because what we see in Scripture and what I believe Paul is even getting at in 1 Corinthians as he's writing to this church is that there's something that's missing in the world. There's something that was supposed to be there. There's something that a community of people that love Jesus were supposed to be identified uh, uh, as, were supposed to be known for, but they weren't. And I see two people highlighting this. First one is Paul, and the second one is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11 is what I want to read for you on right now. It says this words right here. Um, if I could read uh, 11 first. 1 Corinthians 11, and if we read 11, it shows us <laughs> 12. 12. Yep, there we go. It's my fault. That was my fault. Not 11, 12. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. This is the last verse in chapter 12, right before he starts chapter 13. Now, you got to know when writing the Bible, Paul did not say, there's the end of 12, let me start 13. Paul is writing in a continuous way, or the writer of Paul is writing in a continuous way. And so he's starting 31, and he moves right on to 13. I want to show you the best way. 13 is what I just read you. But if, that if I have all of these things, if I have the money, if I have uh, faith, if I do these things, that I could speak with all the knowledge and wisdom, if I could have the, the, possess the knowledge of God and hear all the secrets, but have not love. So the new way that Paul is emphasizing and showing us when he says, I want to show you the best way to live this life, he's alluding to it's starting with love. It's the emphasis that if we're going to live like Jesus, we have to love like Jesus. Not only Paul says this, but we see this in the words of Jesus in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 says this right here. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. There's another verse in John chapter 13, verse 34, and it says these words. 
So now I am giving you a new commandment. Look at this right here. Paul talked about new way of life. So did Jesus. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. This is the new commandment that I want you to love each other just as I have loved you. The question for me is that if we have received God's love, why have we given it? If we can say the reality is that we have been a recipient of God's love, are we a place where it just stays locked up or are we giving that love away? Because freely we have received, freely we shall give. Are we a conduit of Jesus' love or are we just a backed up sewage that we just hoard God's love and no one ever gets to experience it? This is a new commandment that he's showing and emphasizing to us. It, it amazes me, and I didn't write this in my notes, but it amazes me that even when Jesus starts to talk about the entire law is hung on two commandments. It's only hung on two things. And when I say the entire law, you got to know that this was, uh, this was over 400 different laws. Over 400 different laws of do's and don'ts, of keeping people in order, of how to keep the community pure. This is what some people would uh, identify as the Old Testament. And there were over 400. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were people who would devote themselves to what it looked like to identify what the law is telling us to do, what not to do. And they got so religious that they lived by these things. And if you didn't live by those laws, then you were just ostracized. You were kicked aside. All throughout the scripture, we see people testing Jesus about what does the law say? What does the law say? And it's one moment that Jesus answers and he's addressing the question. And Jesus says the entire law, over 400 different laws can be hung on two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart mind, and soul. And the second is just alike. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we can get into all of the, the, the complexities of this message that Jesus gives us, but what is the, the, the main thing that we see here? It's love. That if you're going to love God, you need to recognize that it's not mutually exclusive. These things are not apart from one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law? You mean to tell me every single thing of eating, eating this and don't eat this meat and, and don't do this and kill this animal and all of the different laws were all hung now on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think where the disconnect starts to happen, if I were to just give you an assessment from my perspective and my experience, is that we love that first one and we can do the first one to the T. We will make sure that loving God is an essential thing, making sure that whatever loving God looks like, praying before a meal, making sure that we tell people how Christian we are, whatever that looks like, loving God with all of our heart, reading the scriptures, knowing it back and forth, knowing the Hebrew and the Greek and all of the things. And I'm not trying to dismiss that. I'm not even saying that's a negative thing. But I want us to parallel that with the message that Paul is saying when he says, I can do all of those things, but if I have not love, I think that where we get caught up is how we love our neighbor. 
Because God shows us that it's in loving our neighbor that we get to see how we love him. It's the words that John says that how can you say you love God who you can't see but don't or hate your brother who you do see? How can you love God who you don't see but hate your brother who you do see? It's this dichotomy that we see played out. So for us, as we build Ascent 2.0, as we keep moving forward, we must have love. And what does this look like? When we see the life of Jesus, we see that love pursues. Love does not harm. Love initiates. I think this is important for us because sometimes I think we wait for us to show love. Well, you know, when they knock at my door, then I'll be hospitable to them. Well, when that person texts me, then I'll let them know just how much I love them. You know, it's this person that keeps crossing my mind, but when they decide to say hi to me, then I'm going to really, really show them the love that I have for them. Jesus didn't wait on our move. He didn't wait for us to come to him. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners in the book of Romans, Jesus loved us. Jesus died for us. Jesus came for every single one of us. So we see throughout Jesus' life that love initiates. So that's my encouragement to you on today, that as you're asking the question, am I leading well with love? Am I leading with love? Am am I showing love when it looks like into this world? Am I lacking love? I mean, asking the hard questions when it comes to this thing of love, I I want you to really identify that and parallel the life of Jesus, because we see with his life that love goes the extra mile, that love is something that is sometimes a feeling, but it's always an action. Love is sometimes a feeling, but it's always an action. I bring that up because I think sometimes, you know, we come to church and we'll have a good moment and we'll sit in the moment and even sit in a space where it's like, man, church is so good. It felt amazing. I could, in an amazing way, like feel God's presence. And I think what happens is that people begin to chase the feeling. And when the feeling's not there, they equate that to God not being there. They equate that to God not being real. God's love not being present. God's love is sometimes a feeling, but always an action. And how do people experience the action part of God's love? How do people get to see what God's love looks like? Well, that happens with us. And it brings me back to our Kool-Aid. Because how God's going to get his love into this world and how he is going to love extravagantly is through our extravagant love for one another. There's a message version here that I want to read to you in 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Look at the marching orders that we have. Look at the plan of action for us to be a church, a beacon on a hill, a light for this community. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Now, come back to the Kool-Aid because you saw the extravagant love that I poured into here. And what I believe that we lack sometimes, that the things that if we're not careful, 
is that what is, what is it that people are getting from you? What is it that people experience when they encounter you? When they walk away from a conversation, when they see you at the front desk and you're the administrator and you're the first line of impression upon whatever it is that you're doing. What, what is it that they're getting? Because I think what happens is that we can keep being a community that does all of these things. And this is no shot on ascent. I'm just saying that if we're not careful, we'll fill up all the cups, right? And we'll be people who are busy. I mean, we do all the different things and I lead PTA and I'm doing the different things of serving here in this community. And I'm on the 0027 and I'm making sure that I lead the Facebook page and I'm making sure that we're doing things as it relates to helping out people and and all the different things. And, And we can get real busy and we can fill our cups doing a ton of busy stuff. And I think what happens is that if we're not careful, we'll have a ton of cups that are full of everything that doesn't have the essential ingredient. And we can have everything surrounding us, and we can be this group. We can be this church for this community. We've seen what this happens here. We've seen this church before. We can, we can be this type of community where we just do all of the things, and we got a calendar full of stuff. And yes, we can do this, and we have this, and we got this going on. We got this happening. We, we got this big fall kickoff, and we got balloons coming, and we got a, a pony show. We got all of the stuff. And we got, we've become more of a busy church than a church full of love. We've become a church that is having all of the appearance of what a church is supposed to have. And we have smiles and we have greeters at the door and make sure you catch what I'm saying. This isn't a dismissive thing. This is a let's be careful that we just don't have everything without the essential ingredient. It's what my pastor used to say is that you can be vogue on the outside, but vague on the inside. You can be dressed up, but messed up, where I come from. We rhyme all the time in black church, right? You can be dressed up, but messed up. All of the different things, you can have every single thing. You can have a whole lot in your purse, but nothing in your personality. That's straight from my church right there, Pastor Chuck and Breakthrough Church. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. You can have all of these things, but if you don't have the essential ingredient, I would forsake all of the things here for one cup here. A community, a church that does the thing well, but is so extravagant with its love. And how do we become that community? Well, it's not just what's happening inside these four walls. Trust me, we are in a season where we're continuing to make sure and peel back how we are assessing ourselves, how we are missing the mark or, or hitting the mark. Hey, let's make sure we keep love embedded within in everything that we do. But how this community is impacted is, for one, let me just make this emphasis. It's not just a sent church. We, we are, we're, we're on a mission for the front range. And that happens through God-filled communities, whatever church name that is. Bless them. But not only through the church, the institution of a church across the front range of the multiple God-filled churches and blessings to this community that there are, it's going to happen when we, as we leave this building, as we walk out of those doors and we coach that kid, that little league kids baseball team, it's going to happen when we're up at the campus and we're one of the mentors for the group of people there. It's going to happen some of us are on the board of directors for a particular organization that has nothing to do with church. It's going to happen 
because we're on that PTA meeting. It's going to happen because when we are impacting where all of our lives, wherever it is that we go to, is going to happen because I'm that clerk that's handing out cash and doing the register and whatever that looks like. I'm a college student that's working retail. I'm a college student that's working on campus and I'm in the bookstore. That's going to happen because I just took a new job and now I'm the manager over a team of four. How well I lead them is going to happen through all of the little areas that we're a part of. It's going to happen through the different things. I, I used to coach football, and uh, Chris Lagadros, he coached track up there, and it's so amazing in many ways when we would be at the high school campus. He still does. Uh, and it's so amazing that we, in our little world, were able to impact a group of students based on the essential ingredient of love. Now, we don't always make the, hit the mark, but it's important for us to make sure it's when we leave these doors. It's in our core groups. It's in our fellowship, in our group text thread that we're a part of. It's in our families. It's in our marriages. It's in the way that we parent. It's in the block parties that we have in our neighborhood, and everybody's getting together for some sort of lunch or some sort of outing, and we're going to do something together. It's sitting next to a person that's a stranger at the Rockies game, and we didn't come together, but I'm standing next to them, and we decide to strike up a conversation. It's going to happen when you're at the gym and you're working out and whatever happens at the gym. It's going to happen, right? Whatever that looks like. I say that because I, you know, I got war stories of going to a sauna. I don't really want to talk in a sauna, but there's always a person who wants to talk. So I need to lead with love in that area, right? I just need to just, hey, you know what? It's a sauna. I'm sweating. I want to get out, but I'll talk to you. But in all seriousness, what does that look like in our lives to make sure that love is always a part of every area? It happens here in the church, but it's also going to happen outside the church when you leave this place. I want to close it here. As we come together, Ben, as the, as the band makes their way onto the stage, as we come together and we, we begin to see and identify and ask God, Lord, show me. Show me where I can show extravagant love. Not, not just common love, not just like leave it at like just a, a basic first step. How do I have extravagant love? How do I lead with extravagant love? How do, my, how do I show my community love that goes beyond, love that goes the extra mile, love that catches people off guard that I would have never assumed you would have did something like that for me? It's being known more for what we are for far greater than what we are against. It's mourning with those that are mourning. It's coming alongside people. It's knowing people by name. You'll be surprised what it means for just knowing someone by name and what that does. As we close our time together, Ascent, these are the questions I want us to wrestle with. These are the things as we set out to build upon the foundation that we will make sure love is a part of that. And we want you to always keep us accountable. This is a community effort. Hey, when we talk about these things, when we go into this particular conversation, hey, when we do this, can we, let's make sure we're leading with love. Hey, I know that we're going to Cuba, but as we go and we do this mission field like we've always done, how do we love extravagantly and not just have an appearance? 
hey, let's make sure the messages that we offer, how, how we make sure the worship songs that we sing, whatever it is, let's do it all with love. It's love that is going to keep us. It's love that is going to sustain us. It's love that is going to move us from this place to the next. And it's love that Jesus showed at that last supper. If you didn't see, on the way in, we had a few different communion um, uh, wafer cups for you. And those are right outside. If you need one, you can just raise your hand. We'll have some for you. But we're going to have communion in this next moment. And I just want to take a moment because communion is just a church word, right? It's something that I don't want to make an assumption that you know about. And as people are walking the aisles and you need one, you can just raise your hand. We'll have people walking the aisles to make sure you get that. But communion. Jesus is at the Last Supper, and you've probably seen pictures of the Last Supper. You've probably seen multiple things about Last Supper. But he's at the Last Supper. And at this Last Supper, this is the one that everyone is all at. All of the disciples, they're all at. And what Jesus decides to do in this moment is take a moment to slow down, take a moment to say, make sure you remember the life that I lived. Make sure you remember what I did. Make sure you lead the way that I did. Miss Lauren, I forgot to have one myself, so when you get a chance, sorry. <laughs> Make sure you lead the way that I did. And what Jesus does is he says, I want you to stop and do this in remembrance of me. And what is it that he's saying to remember? He, he's saying to remember what happened on the cross. This is all that it simply is. And there's a bread that shows the wafer or a wafer or a bread that represents God, Jesus' body, which he broke for us, which he died on the cross for us to be in relationship with him, a love-filled relationship. God is love. And so what he does is he says, I want you to take this bread, and this bread, which is a representation, it's a symbol, if you need to know, of my body. And for us, if you will, you can just peel back that first layer. You can take that little wafer. This is representation of God's body. The body that came to die for every single one of us. And as you eat that, I'm going to read this scripture for you. This passage is one that we find in 1 Corinthians 11.23. It says, For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord Jesus himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In verse 25, this is going to be the second portion. He says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup it's the new covenant. And you know what that new covenant was filled with, right? We just read it. Love, that new commandment, that new way of living. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with his blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you take a moment and sip this juice, which represents 
the blood that was shed for every single one of us. And as you're doing that, I want to say a simple prayer. Whether you're in the room or you're at home, we take communion to take a moment to remember the life of Jesus and what he did on that cross and how full of love it was. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we remember you on today. We stop and we take this symbolizing bread and juice to simply say, we acknowledge what you've done for us and we thank you. Forgive us for any sins that we have committed. We open our arms to you and we say, Lord, do it again. Do exactly what you did on this world. Live with love, leading with love, showering us with love beyond our faults, Lord. Love us so extravagantly as you already do to the point we make a decision to turn or to take another step towards you. As we end this series, Jesus, and as we build a foundation of all of the different things of faith and scripture, let us not ever forget the love we have received so that we can be the love that we give away. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.